Welcome to Episode 4 of Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Radio Edition. When we last left our heroes, the kid had finally put the pieces together. Mr. Zachary was in reality Professor Z, bent on using the power of the gem to make the world boring. Now, the kid sets about reassembling the Danger Squad to take on Professor Z's evil plot once and for all. How will it all unfold? Find out now on the dazzling conclusion of Doc Danger and the Danger Squad. Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Part 15, One Person's Trash. Bonjour, Mama. Libby adjusted her black beret as she breezed past her mother, who lounged on the couch, staring at the cover of a magazine. Then Libby stopped short and took a couple of steps back into the room. She laughed as she realized that Mom was holding the same frayed, nearly disintegrated piece of pulp fiction that her kid sister had been looking at the night before. Ooh, That looks like some saucy reading material. Her mother sighed. Ugh, you know, I realize this belonged to your great-grandfather, but I think it's having an adverse effect on your younger sister's mind. She was acting really weird today at work, and during the ride home she was sullen and moody. Not like herself at all. It must be because she read a naughty magazine. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. You know, now she's up scrounging through the attic like a raccoon. She's looking for one of Grandpa's old hats, Lord only knows why. She was talking as if she thinks she's going to find something valuable inside it. She's an imaginative kid, Mom. Don't punish her by throwing out her stuff. You're right. I won't throw it out. I think instead, I'll burn it. Here's a crazy thought. Why don't you read it first? Ugh, honey, please, it's trash! Well, you know, Mom... One person's trash can be another's treasure A treasure beyond measure Now not to be brash, but one person's trash Can be another's treasure A constant source of pleasure So let's not do anything rash These old stories are no harmful addiction In fact, it's many scholars' conviction That they contain a more progressive depiction Of women than you'd find in mainstream fiction One person's trash can be another's treasure To be enjoyed at leisure Not made to go up in a flash Just one prediction If you would lift your reading restriction This magazine might earn your benediction And between us there would be no more pop friction One person's trash can be another's treasure A treasure beyond measure In this 
condition it's not worth a lot of cash but don't make it the target of an angry backlash it's not mere balderdash to be reduced to ash this so-called trash Ugh, all right, you win. I'll read it later tonight. <laughs> now tell your sister dinner will be done in about two hours. You got it, Mom. Her mother handed her the magazine and strode into the kitchen, leaving Libby alone with this amusingly controversial artifact from the previous century. She sat herself down on the couch and looked more closely at the cover. One of the blurbs in the bottom right corner caught her eye. The Lady in Black, it proclaimed. Libby smiled. That sounded like her kind of dame. A noise made her look up. Her little sister was standing there, an old-fashioned cap in one hand and a black gemstone in the other. Loudmouthed, snot-nosed little juvenile delinquent, huh? What? Her kid sister then held the gem right up to Libby's face, and a pulsing dark light suddenly entered her mind. The entire world stuttered for a moment, and once it had stopped, she wasn't Libby anymore. Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Part 16, Reality Dawning. The kid crept silently into her Auntie Dawn's apartment. In her hand, the ebony gemstone pulsed with arcane energies. She knew if she could just get close enough to her aunt, then what had worked with the Lady in Black would work once again. She just had to be stealthy and sneak up on this boy-crazy permutation of her former mentor without alarming her. Fortunately, at the moment, Dawn's back was to the kid, and the erstwhile Doc Danger's attention was utterly absorbed by whatever social media platform she called up on the mobile device. Clutching the black jewel tighter in her hand, the kid inched her way closer. Oh, Will, your profile pic is so beautiful! When I see you, I fall to my knees and beg for you to hear my pleas. Reprise, you're the perfect man. You're a work of art. You're the perfect man, the Messiah of my heart. The Messiah, the Concocted a chemical pill that cured my body of every ill. It augmented my mind and physique and brought my strength level to its peak. That's right, that's right. I've been dark danger ever since then. A heroine who's got no time for me. What's going on? Where are we? Oh, explain on the way, Doc. There's still a few more people we need to track down. Let's go! Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Part 17, On the Island of the Beetle Queen. 
As the fingers of Clara Leonard, who in another world was called Claire de Lune, dug into her back, the Beetle Queen attempted to maintain her blissful mood despite the ranting, mustachioed man who now paced back and forth before her, soliloquizing with desperate fervor. At last, she was compelled to interrupt. Dear Professor, surely you're not suggesting that we take a life of a child? Come now. The matter phase modulator on level 13 is still running smoothly. Penny and I check on it regularly. Everything is fine, you silly boy. Clara, be a dear and fetch me a glass of cucumber water, won't you? There's a good girl. The ever-placid Clara ceased her ministrations and strode into the kitchen, leaving her insectile majesty alone with her two houseguests. Penny, clothed as always in the latest designer fashions, sat silently, still mulling the words of the professor. As for Z himself, he continued to pontificate, clearly not at all placated by the queen's attempts to allay his concerns. I don't like it. Why did she retain her memories? Only the three of us were supposed to be able to recall our previous lives. Penny Dreadful chose that moment to speak. Z's got a point. Y'all, I like being the toast of Hollywood. If we gotta take out the kid to make sure everything stays like this, I say let's waste her. <laughs> Clara glided back into the lounge, carrying a platter that held three tall glasses of water. She brought a glass to the queen, who gratefully accepted it as she spoke. I don't know why the two of you picked such stressful careers in your new lives. Thank you, dear. You could have been like me. A tropical island all to myself, waited on hand and foot by fair beauties such as Clara here. <laughs> Clara bowed deferentially at the acknowledgement and then proffered the remaining two glasses in the direction of Penny and Z. Uh, would anyone else like a glass of cucumber? No! Clara glided once more from the room without another word. The professor fixed her majesty with a glare. Very well, Beetle Queen. If the child somehow changes the universe back to what it was, then you just go back to living on an exotic island. It's a bloody lateral move for you! Right, but what about us? Clara returned, carrying another platter, this one piled high with freshly baked sugar cookies, several of which the queen eagerly scooped up. She took a small bite of one, savoring the flavor, as she attempted once more to pacify her increasingly perturbed companions. <laughs> Both of you, calm down. Have a cookie. Clara held the platter in front of Professor Z's face, silently. Get those disgusting lumps of sugar out of my face, girl! Stone-faced, Clara exited the lounge. Z turned to again address the queen. Has it not occurred to you that if reality reverts, Josai will once again rule the jungle? That half-witted savage never ruled the jungle. She may have been princess of the jaguars, but I am the Beetle Queen. <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night. Shoot, Z. I, it was your dumb idea leaving Sally and Doc and the rest of them alive in the new world. I wanted them to suffer the unending ache of banality, pettiness, and dull convention. It was a good plan. And it should have worked! Yeah, it shoulda! Don't talk down to me, you clod-hopping little- Clara chose that moment to make one final entrance. Um, can I get anyone anything else? No! 
You can't, you idiot girl. And if you interrupt me one more time, I promise I will kill you slow! Clara left the room while the Beetle Queen seethed. The return of Jessai. My arch-rival once again challenging my jungle supremacy. It's a thought not to be countenanced. Well, shucks. For all we know, it might have already happened. Right? If the kid got her memories back, maybe they all did. <gasps> Shoot! They might be back at level 13 already! No. Uh, uh, dreadful's right. We'll take my private plane back to New York. And when we confront our enemies this time, we won't leave them alive. <laughs> A new I shall plunge, straight into peril so that I might expunge my most hated enemy. This time I'll deal with a proportionality. I will do more than just change her. I do not fear to get my venture given my long career. For I have often known. Now, a word from our sponsor. Doc Danger is brought to you in part by Be Spectacled. Located at 7511 Harwood Avenue, in the heart of the Wauwatosa Village, Be Spectacled offers both exceptional eye care and exquisite eye wear for all your vision needs. To find out more, visit bespectacledeyes.com. Be Spectacled. Optometry and good-looking frames. And now, back to Doc Danger and the Danger Squad. Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Part 18, The Matter Phase Modulator, Redux. In the center of Level 13, Robert Von Hesslington and Satellite Sally, both clad in dark purple robes, were hard at work putting the final touches upon the Matter Phase Modulator. It was a curious device, and it looked just the way Robert remembered it, now that his memories had been returned by the kid, that is. It looked less like a computational apparatus than it did a piece of abstract sculpture, with its various components connecting to each other at odd, counterintuitive angles, and various colored lights adorning it in mind-bendingly abstruse patterns. Yet it seemed that no matter how or from what perspective a person might view the machine, all of its lines led the eye toward a small dais near the machine's center. It stood at about waist level, and its smooth, polished surface pulsed, hungry for a final, crucial ingredient. The onyx gemstone, the very same artifact which the kid had used to restore the memories of Robert, Sally, and all the rest. In only one respect did this iteration of the modulator differ from the one that Robert remembered from the previous version of reality. There was now a silver helmet beside the machine, which was connected to the central dais by a plain gray electrical cable. While the
composer slash scientist examined a readout from one of the data terminals that adorned the machine's surface, Sally was performing some delicate fine-tuning of the device's internal wiring, per Robert's guidance. Now, if you would, unplug the yellow wire, but leave the green one in place. I got it. Thanks for the tweezers, by the way. My pleasure. So, this will definitely work? Yes. This version of the modulator is much more user-friendly than the prototypical model. No songwriting necessary. He gestured toward the silver helmet that was affixed to the device. The gemstone can tap the user's thoughts directly. You and I knew each other in the other reality, didn't we? Briefly, I think. Yeah, briefly. So, I believe we're ready. This helmet will allow the wearer to decide the proper configuration of the new universe. All we need to replace is the gem in this slot for the power source. How would you remake the world, Bob? Um, Robert? Which do you prefer? Oh. Sorry. Robert. Robert, if you could create your own universe, what would it be like? Oh, I wouldn't ask for much. Maybe just to carve out a little niche for myself. And the person I loved. That sounds wonderful. Sal? I mean, <clears throat> Sally. Sorry. Which do you prefer? Sally. Sally. I've been wanting to tell you. You've got the starring role in my cosmology. You're a beautiful soul. You're the masterpiece of reality. And if your destiny could intersect with me Into the skies our path would wind And we'd leave mankind so far behind In our own dimension, no The two of us will dwell an Escher-shaped escape that geometry can't spell Our own universe, Our own universe. For better or worse, For better or worse. In, in sickness and in health In poverty and wealth I've got the perfect place in mind A harbor in the stars no ship could find In our own dimension Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Part 19, Taking It Back. 
Penny clutched her 10-gallon hat to her head as she moved tentatively through the pitch blackness of level 13. She wasn't sure why she changed back into her frontier regalia before returning to the city. There was just something comforting about it, given these circumstances. The room was so dark, Penny could only barely make out Professor Z and the Beetle Queen in her peripheral vision. She whispered to her companions, I don't like this, y'all. Sneaking into our own building like thieves. It's the best way. And remember, we still have our secret weapon. There was suddenly an echoing click, and Penny's eyes were flooded with illumination, every light on level 13 having been switched on at once. She squinted, but before she could begin to get her bearings, she felt her arms being grabbed, then forced behind her back. She struggled against whatever powerful figure was hog-tying her, but to no avail. A pair of strong hands shoved her to her knees. As her eyes adjusted to the lights, she was aware of Z and the Queen having been similarly brought low. And of course, she recognized each of the violet-robed women who had gotten the drop on her and her companions. Their names in this reality were Jesse, Libby, and Sal. But it was clear in their eyes that their true identities had returned. She wasn't facing college students or office managers now. She was facing Josiah of the Jaguars, the Lady in Black, and Satellite Sally. The latter figure was a particularly hateful sight to Penny. She glared at the cowgirl, but Sally, for her part, didn't seem to notice, instead relishing the fact that Z was now in her power. And she twisted the ropes around his arms just a little bit tighter with every couple of words she spoke to him. Is there anything you need? Mr. Zachary, anything at all, all? Penny tore her attention away from Sally and looked at the matter phase modulator. Its lights were blinking eagerly and it seemed more than ready to be put to use. The bandit turned Hollywood celebrity's heart sank as she saw three more figures emerge from behind the machine, all of whom were garbed as well in purple robes. There was Von Hesslington, the yellow belly composer whom Penny had first kidnapped in order to get this entire caper started. Stepping past him was the kid, clutching the onyx gem of Zavenu, which she eagerly placed onto the machine's waiting dais. And finally, of course, there was Doc Danger, who radiated determination. The Doc bent down to retrieve a helmet that was affixed to the modulator, and then quickly stood, her steely eyes sweeping the room. She flashed a brilliant smile as she made eye contact, first with Penny, then the Queen, and then finally, with Professor Z. Well, this is a familiar tableau. I think that we've already seen the show. And although there's been a role reverse, I don't think we need to rehearse, cause we all know the way it's gonna go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got the Onyx Gem of Avenue. our world back from all of you. Woo, woo, woo. We're taking it back. Taking it back. It's a reality and we are taking it We're back. We're on track. We're on track. We're on track to take it back. We're on track to take it back now. We're on track to take it back. 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 Take it. 
In an electric blue flash, suddenly the lady in black, Robert, Josiah, and Sally all fell to the floor unconscious. Standing amongst their slumbering forms was a familiar robotic figure. It's MC7! Quick, Doc, put the helmet on! Before Danger could do as the kid pleaded, MC7 swung a gray arm, knocking the helmet from her hands. A bolt of blue electricity, identical to the one which had taken out the Doc's allies, lanced from MC7's palms. Every nerve in Danger's body was suddenly alive with pain, and she fought to remain conscious. As her vision blurred, threatening to go completely dark, she felt a powerful metal hand wrap around her thin bicep, holding her fast. As she tried in vain to blink away the haze from her own vision, she was aware that the robot's other hand was holding the kid prisoner as well. The voice of Professor Z rang out triumphantly. Did you really think I wouldn't bring my beloved MC7 with me into the new reality? Still fighting to stay conscious, the doc focused on Z, who stood and presented his back to his robot servant, brandishing his bound wrists. From MC7's circular yellow eyes, twin beams lanced out, slicing the ropes that held the sinister professor bound. The villain turned once again to face the doc rubbing his freed wrists as he spoke. I was able to activate her remotely the moment we arrived in the building. And now the mighty Doc Danger is brought low. You're right, this is a most familiar scene. But you forgot the end of the routine. Where I remind you I'm a man who's always got a backup plan. You feeble females can't beat my machine. And it occurs to me now that the danger's done. The reality arranger said to run. So why not use it one more time and rearrange things so that I'm the man in charge, the one and only one. <gasps> oh, do be quiet, both of you. I'm sure you'll both enjoy answering phones at the Channel Z ad agency. You double-crossing two-faced rat thing! You will pay for this, Z! No, Queen of the Bugs, I don't think I will. Once the process is completed, I will be the person seated on the throne! Just me alone! It soon will be, soon will be, soon will be, all for Z! It soon, soon will be, all for Z, all for Z, all for Z! It soon will be, all for Z, all for Z, all for Z! Danger's head was now somewhat clearer, but she still felt utterly helpless as she watched Z begin to adjust various dials on the matter phase modulator, recalibrating the device to create a reality even more perfectly suited than before to his own malevolent desires. The doc lowered her head, feeling crushed under the weight of abject failure, when a young, fervid voice snapped her back to attention. Doc! You have to break us free! You're the only one who can! For a moment, the doc wondered if the kid might be right. She flexed the muscles in her arm in an attempt to break free from MC7. But the robot's hand didn't give even a fraction of a millimeter. Danger's heart sank once again. Forget it, kid. Doc, come on! The day you can't take down some two-bit robot is the day Doc Danger packs it in! I'm not Doc Danger anymore. Not really. You brought my memories back, but it wasn't enough. Physically, I'm still a weakling. 
trapped in this body, trapped in this world that beats down imagination with banality and pettiness and conformity and- No way! That's- that's crap! The Doc Danger I know would never let anything! Not the world around her, not her own body, not anything prevent her from doing what had to be done. Remember? Remember when you were a kid, and you were frail and weak and gaunt? But you didn't let that stop you. You concocted a chemical pill, remember? I concocted a chemical pill. Right! That cured your body of every ill. That cured my body of every ill. Yes! It augmented my mind and physique and brought my strength level to its peak. Alarm! Alarm! And one more thing I can now conclude. It works! Even when reality is skewed. Get him, Doc. Get him, Doc. Get him, Doc. Get him, Doc. My brain advanced. My physicality enhanced. And that's who I am Holy and crumbs. how I came. Holy crumbs, here she comes now. And that's who I am Holy and how I came. Holy crumbs, here she comes now. And that's who I am and how I came. Holy crumbs, here she comes now. Doc Danger's chest rose and fell, her breathing heavy in the aftermath of the violence. Her fists, which had so efficiently reduced MC7 to scrap metal one powerful blow at a time, remained clenched at her sides, and sweat covered every inch of her tanned, athletic frame. Looking down at her own body, she realized that, in the melee, she had shed the purple ceremonial robe she'd been wearing. She was now clothed in combat boots, cargo shorts, a tank top, and tooled leather gloves, and her bare arms and legs were throbbing with scientifically enhanced strength. Impossibly, without the help of any modulating machinery, she had transformed fully into Doc Danger once again. Still riding high on adrenaline, she was heartened to look around and realize that Robert, Josiah, Sally, and the lady were all slowly and groggily coming back to full consciousness. The Queen and Penny were still hogtied, and MC7 was destroyed. That just left one more villain. She took a step toward him. Your turn, Professor Z! Not so fast, danger! The professor donned the helmet and put a hand upon the modulator's activation switch. The doc halted in mid-step. You may have bested my robot, but you're still too late! Though you've regained your strength and speed, there's no way you can reach me before I trip this switch and send you back into a world of bleak routine and existential drudgery. I win again, danger! <laughs> I always win! Danger said nothing, but inwardly she was cursing. The bastard was right. Even with her enhanced physical prowess returned, she couldn't cover the distance between her and Professor Z before he activated the reality-arranging device. But what choice did she have? Z was seconds away from flicking the switch regardless. Her muscles tensed as she prepared for one final, desperate leap. But before she could move, she saw, incredibly, a familiar woman stepping out from behind the matter phase modulator. And before Professor Z could notice her as well, the figure drew back her arm, then let fly with a right hook that knocked the villain cold. There was a momentary shocked silence, then everyone spoke at once. 
I don't believe it. Claire DeLune. What are you doing here? That was great, partner! Claire seemed briefly overwhelmed as she tried to reply all at once to the various congratulatory remarks. Partner? Claire to who? Sorry, my name is Clara Leonard. I overheard this jerk and those two planning to do something horrible here, so I hopped a plane and got here as soon as I could. It just seemed like the right thing to do. The doc smiled. You have no idea. All right, no more delays. Let's get back where we all belong. Sally dashed over to Claire and put a hand on her fellow cowgirl's shoulder. Lil' buddy, I am officially promoting you to full partner. From now on, we're both in charge. Gosh, thanks. I have no idea who you are, but still, that sounds nice. You're darn tootin'. The kid knelt down to the unconscious form of Z and carefully removed the silver helmet from the professor's head. She stood and proffered it to the dock. As Danger accepted it gratefully, she favored the kid with a wink and a smile. You did good, kid. Real good. The kid smiled twice as wide in reply. Thanks, Doc. And with that, there was no more time to waste. The Doc donned the helmet and with confident ease recalibrated the matter phase modulator's dials and switches, resetting the machine to undo all the damaging changes it had made to time and space. Then she wrapped a single gloved hand around the main control switch and lowered it decisively. The onyx gem pulsed once and the entire universe changed. Doc Danger blinked. She was standing in the center of her personal library within the danger zone. The helmet, the matter phase modulator, level 13, none of them were anywhere to be seen. Danger narrowed her eyes. Had it worked? A bit of movement near the ceiling caught her eye. The doc looked up. A woman clothed only in leopard-spotted scraps of fabric was suspended there, observing her with a smile. Before Danger could say a word, the other woman flexed the muscles in her arms and legs, let go of the walls to which she'd been clinging, and leapt. Josiah of the Jaguars soared through the air, somersaulting twice before landing on her bare feet with silent, cat-like grace. In the same fluid movement, she proceeded to take Doc Danger in a fiercely affectionate hug. The Doc returned the embrace. It had worked. Danger laughed with delight as several other smiling figures came pouring into the room. Satellite Sally and Robert von Hesslington arrived arm in arm, unable to take their eyes off of each other. Claire de Lune entered next, clutching a rope, dragging in a trio of dejected hog-tied criminals. Bringing up the rear were an unlikely trio, the lady in black, the kid, and MC7. While the kid and the lady chatted with an almost familial ease, MC7 had a tubular arm around each of them, looking somehow maternal. The doc reached into the pocket of her shorts and pulled out a small, polished stone, the onyx gem of Zavenu. The thing had caused so much trouble, and surely, now that the world had been returned to its rightful form, there was no more need for this dangerous artifact. What should she do with it, the doc wondered. Trash it? Perhaps. But then again... One person's trash can be another's treasure. A treasure beyond measure. To be enjoyed at leisure. A perfect source of pleasure. I finally found me a smart, sensitive guy. Hey, kid. 
You ever consider getting into the detective biz? I've been looking for a sidekick. I'll have to think about it. been listening to episode four of doc danger and the danger squad radio edition all four episodes are now available indefinitely on our website youtube and many other streaming platforms doc danger the danger squad is an original production of milwaukee opera theater with music book and lyrics by jason powell our stage director was jill anaponisic with music direction by donna cummer sound engineering by rick probst and adam kudashat Foley artistry by Mike Ding-Lorenz, with additional effects by David A. Robins. In episode four, the kid was played by Harper Navin, with Katie Gruel as mom. Libby and the Lady in Black were played by Ray Elizabeth Perry. Dawn and Doc Danger, Brianna Rose Lepore. Clara and Claire DeLune, Hannah Esch. Satellite Sally was played by Carrie Gray. Josiah of the Jaguars, Stephanie Stasek. Robert Von Hesslington, Siobhan Jackson. Professor Z was played by Eric Welch. The Beetle Queen, Anna Gonzalez, Penny Dreadful, Becky Kofta, MC7, Katie Gruel. The narrator was Jason Powell. On behalf of all of us at MOT, thank you for joining us for Doc Danger and the Danger Squad, Radio Edition. (laughs) 